0: Tell us about the sort of practical steps that uh, someone listening or viewing today can take to start this journey of uh, towards
1: a better health. You get to sort of that two, three o'clock period just after lunch, you've had a heavy lunch, and you feel really sleepy and you feel very unproductive. A lot of the time that's because the carbs have spiked your blood sugar and you're now feeling sleepy. It's often when I'm working with a, a business about
0: whether it's profit growth, cost reduction, goal setting, what we're saying is it's not a massive goal. What we are going to do is break, it might be a massive goal, but we're gonna break that down into bite-sized pieces because the little things make the difference. Welcome back to another episode of Success Is a System. My guest today is Dom Wells. Dom Wells run, runs Wells Fitness, and his brand is the Body Masterclass. Uh, Dom trains a lot of people that I know, and I've just started with him. As you can see, I need to uh, pick up my health and wellness and focus in that area. And the reason I thought it was good to get Dom involved and invite him along today is that we're talking about success is a system and the systems that help people's success, whether that's a sales system finance system uh, a marketing system uh, a system that people use for goal setting we also need to remember that our body needs to be at its optimum if we're going to work long days if we're going to deal with anxiety Uh, and we need the longevity across a career or business to keep at our best at our peak if you like Uh, and so one of those systems has got to be around health and wellness and particularly I know and I've talked before on some of my podcasts about the fact that uh 70% or more of entrepreneurs will deal with mental health issues, anxiety, at least once or twice in their business career. And so, good health, good wellness, good ways of uh, coping with that would be really important. So thanks for joining us today, Dom. It's uh, really great to have you here. But uh, without me doing any more intro, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you come to build the Body Masterclass
1: and what's your background? Right. Well, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me, Mark. It's uh, my first ever podcast, so it's a pleasure to actually get my message across to everyone. So the Body Masterclass, I've been a PT for about, I'd say, four years now. Before that, I was in a corporate job. Before that, I did a master's in biochemistry at University of Nottingham. So I've got a bit of a nutritional and a science background from that. But basically, I was a PT for you know four years. I was doing people on the gym floor, training them 30, 40 pound an hour, upping my rates as, um, as I sort of went. And the body masterclass is something I started about nine months ago, which is a scalable business and also impacted my clients in a very positive way. It's an online coaching system where basically they follow what I set and... They get the result at the end of it, you know, whether that's feeling better, having abs, having bigger arms, etc. So that's what I've kind of done in the last nine months. And um, obviously, I've trained quite a lot of people that we both know yeah. um, into, into shape. And what I kind of want to get across as a message today is I've trained a lot of very, very successful people, um, business owners, people turning over huge amounts of money. And it's very interesting to me that most people who are successful – are into fitness in some way, shape, or form. And I think it's probably because of the mental benefits, probably because of the mental clarity you get from um, from fitness, from working yeah, out yeah. regularly. It's the cognitive function. It's the feeling better about yourself, feeling more confident. And I think that is why fitness is a system yeah, yeah. in my, in uh, my
0: opinion. And, and I absolutely agree. And for me, one, one of the things that um, I've become more focused at uh, in recent years because... One of the challenges is, you know, I always had this roller coaster relationship with health, and so once a year I'd do an incredible uh, endurance challenge, like crossing an ocean, climbing a big mountain, running a marathon, and that made me do a bit of training before, uh, which meant I had to do it more regularly. But often it would be doing nothing and then swatting up, which isn't good e- either. It's more about yeah. consistency. But I love the saying. I don't like it actually; it's a negative saying, but it sums it up for me that people. Um, Uh, give up their health in order to gain their wealth. And then later in life, they end up having to spend all their wealth to regain their health. Uh, And so it's got to be more, I
1: guess, about consistency, regularity, a little bit regular each day. Is that right? Mm -hmm. What you've just described there is I'd say probably 90% of entrepreneurs because I find most entrepreneurs have a very all or nothing mentality, which is why they've become successful in the first place. So they're the type of people that set themselves (laughs) a very challenging goal do everything possible to get to that goal. But then once you reach that goal, and this relates to fitness, you stop and it becomes inconsistent again. And the whole idea behind what I'm trying to teach people, not just entrepreneurs, is if you maintain a 8 out of 10 consistency for a long, long period of time, you're going to get better results than if you do 10 out of 10, going for that ultra marathon or climbing that mountain and then reaching that goal and thinking, oh, wow, I don't know what to do now with my time. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, far more important and far better a way to become successful at fitness and therefore keep your long-term health going so, so the way I like to see it is say you're driving a car and you, you just you drive along you drive along you never take it for a service but you, you're always going um in that car and then it breaks down eventually okay because you've you've worked it too hard now if you were just regularly servicing that car and looking after it and making sure it was well oiled etc it wouldn't break down and you'd have a much smoother ride yeah, rather than yeah, yeah. just not thinking about it and
0: no, and I see that. And entrepreneurs do have, as I said, this roller coaster of health and, and, and mental health issues. Mm. Or the other thing I used to find early on in my career is I would work crazy for 48, 50 weeks a year. I'd then go on holiday and I would just crash. I mean, I would get ill. Uh, I would just it's almost like my body said right it's a chance to sort this out now we're gonna reboot and yeah. and that's when I'd get ill and so so many holidays I wasn't well and it was like my body just saying we've only got this little window to service him if you use your car analogy exactly. Uh, and it all just came crashing down and then you have to go back you just about get comfortable again and you're back to that sort of rat race as it were
1: whereas I think if you were looking you know really looking after your health as well as your wealth during that period you probably wouldn't have that crash and then when you do go on that holiday you can just relax let yourself go a little bit and it's like you've serviced it you've not had to spend a long period of time you know just getting it everything fixed and feeling completely burnt out in my opinion,
0: yeah, and so one of the big things that uh, entrepreneurs say is, you know, I work sixteen hours a day, I work da da da, I haven't got time for it, I haven't got time for yeah, it. Yeah. So I'd love to know your view on the time thing, but but part of the attraction for me to work with yourself was that it wasn't a, a fixed PT session in a gym because firstly. Uh, the, the the routines you've built for me don't require loads of uh, cardio equipment and everything else. Mm-hmm. But secondly, the fact that we can meet once or occasionally, you get to know my needs, you get to know my current uh, capability, if you like, but then it's through your online app. So that if I can get 40 minutes at seven o'clock this morning or four o'clock this afternoon or, or whatever, I can do it when I do have the time as opposed to thinking, shit, I've got a, I've got an appointment with Dom and I'm running late. Yeah, and, and then it's you have to cancel on me. On, and then, uh, and yeah. so on. So a lot of people might say, oh, I prefer face-to-face. And, and of course, that's Which nice. Which yeah. But I would have never worked with you or any PT if it was that because I know that come week or two or three, there'll be a bigger priority in my business. And as an entrepreneur, whilst I should prioritise myself – we tend to focus more on the needs of now rather than my health tomorrow, next month, next week. Yeah. I mean, is that why you got this more flexible approach? What's your thoughts on timing and fitting into your schedule and prioritization
1: and so on? Well, this is probably the number one reason why I started, what I've started doing with the online coaching, because I do understand that as a business professional, your number one priority is never going to be your fitness. It's always going to be your family your work commitments and fitness will have to tie into that. So when time is your biggest sort of roadblock to getting to where you want to be, the best way to get someone into shape is to make sure that the routines that I set them fit into their lifestyle. So, you know, when you've got appointments coming up and then you think, oh, no, I've got have got a 9 a.m. PT session, but now... John from X business wants to book in a meeting at nine, I'm going to have to cancel on Dom and it's going to be really annoying. And I'm going to have to pay for a session that I've booked in, but I'm not actually getting. Yeah, yeah. This way is a lot better because say, you know, you, you have that 9am meeting being booked. You can just say, right, okay, I'm going to do my workout at 8am instead because it's flexible and you can do it from within the app. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just going from time, time is definitely the number one roadblock for most people, not even just entrepreneurs, people who have families, people who have a social life, and fitness has got to tie into that um, in in a way that allows you to still have that social life and still have that family life because otherwise ninety nine percent of people are not gonna give up their family yeah, life yeah. or their business in order to get fitness in. So that's why I decided. Yeah,
0: and, to do. and that really that really- that, that was what resonated with me when you talked about the flexible side of it, because I said, well, you know, what if today is just crazy and I can't do anything today, but we've scheduled that I should do something today. And you said, oh, well, and, and let me be clear to, to anyone listening, the app that you work on is is videos of you showing how to do every exercise. It, it's every exercise specific to um, the equipment they do or don't have and specific to their needs that you've discussed with them. Exactly. But you know, it was really easy within your app to drag. If I can't fit it in today, I can drag today's exercises in tomorrow. I could do half of the session today and half tomorrow. And even down to the nutritional side and the food, you know, it was refreshing uh, for me because I might be able to be really healthy today. And then someone says, can we meet for breakfast tomorrow? And, you know, they're meeting in a greasy Joe's where there's probably not many healthy uh, options or one of the business hubs I use. There is nothing without loads and loads of carbs in. And, And you said to me, Mike, it's not so important about the what, it's the number of carbs. If you count the carbs, your body will convert it. And number of calories, etc. Et yeah, but, but hearing it was so refreshing to hear someone say you can work this around your schedule. You can eat whatever you want to eat, but you've got to look at the quantum of it and so on. Is that
1: reasonable? Absolutely, yeah, and I think the the problem with the fitness industry as a whole is for the average entrepreneur or even the average family person, it's very intimidating to look at because you're seeing pictures of people with ripped abs eating salads all the time, spending four hours a day in the gym, and I think it shows a lack of understanding to what people actually face in their lives, which is the lack of time, the need to, you know, when you get invited out to dinner by clients or by friends to not be the weirdo that's pulling out a chicken salad in front of everyone to actually be able to enjoy your food, but still fit it into getting towards your goal, whether that's fat loss or muscle growth, or just feeling a little bit better about yourself, which is why, you know, I think I've developed that mentality from working with a lot of business professionals, whereas I think, a lot of people in the fitness industry, they're, they're, they're into fitness themselves, but they're only working you know, six hours a day and they're in a gym the whole time. They don't understand that it's not realistic for someone to spend two hours working out in a gym and then going home and meal prepping all their salads yeah. and then making sure that everything's in order. Like There needs to be a middle ground. And I think the middle ground approach is what is working really, really successfully with all these entrepreneurs that I work with. So yeah. Um, so, yeah, in the same way that you talked about flexibility on timing, and we're talking about
0: food now, one of the things I really liked was the reality of your understanding of bringing business and w- health and wellness together. And part of that was saying, we're not going for like losing two stone in the next two weeks. Most of your schedules, and, and that's just not what you've told me, three or four of the blokes that were on the conference uh, that were at in Marbella who were, who were working with you were saying, and they're and they're looking pretty ripped and pretty healthy now, and they're really pleased with the results they've got. But they were saying, "Oh yeah, working with Dom, we just targeted one pound a week. Yeah, one pound a week. But if you know it's every week, it doesn't take long for that to have a a, a, a massive change to their their physicality, their strength, and so on. So, mm. uh, is that another important thing that it is tiny, bite-sized changes?
1: Or- well, well, you know what it is. It's it's working with the individual because different people can handle different amounts of weight loss whilst not affecting their lives. So, for example. I'll give myself I love food and I don't like being on low calorie diets. I feel like my mental cognition's gone when I go on a super super low calorie diet. So if I'm trying to lose over a kg per week and really really get fat loss quickly, I feel like mentally I'm not able to articulate myself very well. I'm not able to enjoy conversations with people. I'm not enjoying life in general. So But I know other clients that have happily lost two kg a week with me. It just depends on you as an individual. And it maybe takes three or four weeks to work that out from the person. But again, it's so important that it's individualized. Because if you're just on a plan where you're being told to eat this and you're going to lose two kg a week, but you're not able to handle it and your life is miserable, what's the point? Because no, what we're talking about right now is fitness as a system. Fitness is not going to be a system in your business helping you with your life if it's negatively impacting your life and causing you to be hungry and causing you to be moody and causing yeah, you to have yeah. um, you know, low verbal cognition, for example, because that's one of the most important things in business, of course.
0: No, yeah, and a similar thing, um, as you know, a mentor Greg Wallace and uh, one of his recent businesses over the last few years has been Show Me Fit, which is different but similar. But the similarity comes in, he will never use the word diet yeah. and he doesn't talk to anyone about diet. And it's about choices and awareness, you know, I think you'd said if you want to have a drink, Mike, the, the drink that's got the lowest calories, champagne, for instance, that I think you said would be my recommendation. But if
1: spent. you want to have wine, you can still have wine. It just It's But you've fit, got awareness
0: they? of the calorie that are in that versus that. And so it's, it's not about diet. It's about choices and it's about awareness. Is that how is that how you describe it?
1: And it's about education, I think, because I think a lot of people, especially people with more of an old school mentality, saw you know the 90s bodybuilders and stuff eating their chicken salads and saying this is the way to do it this is the way to do it whereas um, it's more the overall calories and the overall um, you know protein etc that matters in the long term if your goal is losing weight for example than it is what you are eating now what you are eating does actually affect your mood a little bit so like I could lose I could get clients losing a kg a week of fat eating only McDonald's But they wouldn't feel very good because of all the processed foods, all the salts, etc. So what I do, as you've probably seen, is I suggest certain foods. I suggest you eat that. But if you go off the suggestion and you do decide to have a McDonald's, as long as it fits the calories that I'm setting you, then by all means, go enjoy it. But that's where accountability and having a coach is really important as well. Because if I do see that my clients are perhaps going a little bit wayward with their diets and feeling a little bit worse because of it, I can then suggest that they do something else rather than carrying on the route they're going because it's just, you know, it's it's about overall life success, not about just yeah. having abs and, and biceps. No, exactly.
0: And, and certainly at my age, 58, it's not about being ripped, you know, uh, uh, I'll, I've not given up on that as a goal necessarily, but it's mostly about feeling well, feeling energized and feeling strong into those older years kind of thing. And so I guess each decade or each person has slightly different needs and you can work with them yeah. on that. But let's say we were talking to the average business person, male, female, they're busy, they may have family time that they've got to commit it. So even when they finish work, they've got to spend time with their their loved ones, their children, their their extended family and so on. Let's say we were talking about an average of a, a pound a week loss. I, yeah. And I know it's different for everybody, but we were talk- trying to kind of average it. What sort of... Um, Minimum time commitment do people need to be giving to themselves to their health, uh, and what sort of calorie deficit are we talking to get that kind of one pound a week? Is that something that you could put into words? Yeah. So, so to be specific,
1: I I offer, I well, I make people commit to a minimum of three months because I say that is the minimum amount of time you'll you'll need to really see the physical and mental transformation. I'm not going to say your life's going to change in three months. For some people, it does. But three months is my minimum commitment for a reason, because if you're going to do something for a month and you're in a slight calorie deficit, you know, we're talking pound a week, you only lost four pounds in a month. It's not life changing. You've still not developed the habits that I'm trying to develop into you. Three months is a good period of time, I find. Six months as well as is a is a good period of time
0: but 6 months could be 2 stone yeah. a year could be 4 stone if someone a, a had a lot a year could to be lose.
1: massive i've got i've got a guy right now he's um you know he is quite a large guy but he's lost 30 kg since january what is it oh. may the 25th right now that's so well movie. that's that's 5 months so it's about 6 kg a month and that's that's a big big weight loss so fair play to him and he needed to lose that weight and he can handle it but life can change very very quickly if you're disciplined and you stick to a plan yeah, yeah, and to answer be. your question about the calories so it, mathematically there's three thousand five hundred calories in one pound of fat. Right. Okay. So, over the course of a week, you've got seven days. If you're in a five hundred calorie deficit every single day, you've lost a pound of fat because that's three thousand five hundred calories. So that's what I try and aim for. People uh, aim with people when they're yeah. trying to lose a pound of fat per week is that three thousand five hundred. And so, if deficit. they could
0: lose one hundred and fifty calories in each meal by better choices, for instance, that's
1: it. There's your five hundred calories.
0: Yeah. So, which might even be a case of taking
1: away. A pint here and, and a few biscuits there. Yeah, exactly. And there's no need to cut out entire food groups. It's just about portion sizes and controlling the amount you have yeah. in things. So um, I'm a very mathematical person because I come from a science background, but I like maths because it's the only thing that doesn't lie to you. You know, yeah. you're, you, you, can get, you can get very easily swayed by thinking, oh, I look great in the mirror, but that's just your mental, your mind telling you that you look great when you haven't actually lost anything. Or yeah. on the opposite side of things, people with the body dysmorphia, They lose loads and loads of weight, but they never feel like they're good enough. The scale doesn't lie to you. I mean, the scale fluctuates, obviously. But over a long period of time, the scale does not lie. The calories do not lie. I know if someone is in a calorie deficit for a long period of time, 500 calorie deficit, they're going to have to, have to lose that weight. People's metabolisms are different as well. So, like, some people do have slow metabolisms. And
0: generally, you must see that uh, energy, that mental focus... Uh, and confidence growing the people you work with, which can only be positive to their business, their family, their, their
1: well-being. That's probably the most satisfying part of the job is, you know, it's great when someone gets abs. It's great when someone looks like a different person from the before and after photos. But when they message me and they say, Dom, I feel so much better about myself. My relationships have improved. I feel like a role model to my kids because my kids can see me eating healthier that's when I get like a little bit of a buzz inside. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that to me is probably far more important than someone showing me the picture of them with abs. And um, that's yeah. where the real life change comes. And that's where I think what we're talking about, the whole topic, fitness as a system, I think that's where fitness does become a system. Because if you're more confident, yeah, yeah. you can walk into a meeting with, I don't know, boards, directors, whatever, and you can walk in with your shoulders, you sh- you know, shoulders back, your chest out, feeling good about yourself rather than drowning yourself out in baggy clothes, trying to hide away from everyone because you feel out of shape. You feel like your gut's hanging out. When that's all gone, you, you do change. Your little things yeah, change. Yeah. You may not notice, but over a six-month and nine-month period you will 100% feel like a different person and that's I think the real beauty of fitness
0: no and you say that little things change and it is the little things that make the difference often when I'm working with a a business about whether it's profit growth, cost reduction, goal setting, what we're saying is it's not a massive goal, what we've got to do is break it might be a massive goal but we're going to break that down into bite sized pieces because the little things make the difference Uh, and you know one of the sayings I love is if you think a little thing can't make a difference try spending the night in a room with a mosquito kind of thing little things do (laughs) change your focus and equally when it comes to say selling you if you were just five percent more confident that could be the difference between winning that sale or losing that sale or if you were five percent off of your best because you were feeling oh the shirt's a bit tight i'm looking you know everyone's going to notice or whatever it is um that could be the difference that loses you the sale or wins you the sale so you know it's proper investment uh, with a tangible return and I guess you see that over a period with people absolutely um, so talk to me about nutrition and its impact on cognitive function you know because it's it's one that we talk about that confidence that comes from feeling better about yourself but There's actually the science of sugars, lack of them, uh, the the sort of roller coaster. And one of the things I used to do in business, not something I'm proud of, but I would literally have four or five Red Bulls a day to just push me through. (laughs) And then because I'm high and hyper on it i would have a few beers or 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 wines to kind of calm me down at the end of the day of course the combination of those two things i slept badly and i I didn't have enough sleep when i did sleep so talk about the impact of nutrition making the choices that can be better for you and the the real scientific difference it can make Hope you're enjoying Success is a System. Every Tuesday, we launch it on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Drop us a note and tell us who you would like to see or hear on Success a System or what subjects you'd like us to cover to help you and your business. Success is a System like Subscribe and make sure you get it every Tuesday for great lessons and systems that have made people wealthy, healthy, and successful.
1: Well, first of all, that sounds like an absolute recipe for disaster. What you were doing for the health? I was great in my <laughs> 30, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going great, and I'm I'm doing fairly healthy things. So, if I was doing that, I'd probably be a silver fox already. <laughs> <laughs> but nutrition is very individualized, um and you have to really understand how your body reacts to certain foods. I'll give myself as an example again. I hate being on low carbs. Some people find when they're on a keto diet, which is low carbs, that their their mind functions really well, that they they feel like they're that 10% better. I have been on a keto diet and I felt horrendous and I really hated it. So I know that I need carbs for my brain to function. Now carbs are interesting because carbs spike your blood sugar. When your blood sugar is spiked too high, you can feel very sleepy. So I don't know if um, people watching this get this feeling, but you know, when you're, you get to sort of that two, three o'clock period, just after lunch, you've had a heavy lunch and you feel really sleepy and you feel very unproductive. A lot of the time that's because the carbs have spiked your blood sugar and you're now feeling sleepy. So I do say to my more entrepreneurial clients, like do not, try not to take in huge amounts of carbs in one, in one go, because it does make you a little bit sleepier. On the same, on the same front, if you are someone that does function really well with low carbs, by all means do it because it's it's not something that's going to massively impact your life in a negative way to not have loads of carbs with training it does you know if you're, if you're doing a lot of weights training and you're not taking in carbs you do need carbs to fuel your workout because your body uses glycogen when you're working out <clears throat> but from a purely entrepreneurial sense, um, I would say to most people. Try not to have massive amounts of sugar. Try not to spike it at lunch because that mid-afternoon lull is where you really feel like, where you really could be becoming more productive if you're not taking in a yeah, huge amount yeah. of carbs.
0: And and people obviously think of sugar as in Coca-Cola, Red Bull, sweets, actual sugar. But actually, we should bear in mind that every carb is is sugar, ultimately.
1: It very quickly converts to sugar, is that? Yeah, yeah? So there's, a, there's a thing called the... Um, oh, okay, it's called the GI. I think it's the glycemic index, which is how quickly certain foods spike your blood sugar. So there is a there is a difference between drinking five Coca-Colas and taking in 100 grams of sugar than it is to eat a whole meal pasta which has 100 grams of carbs in it because what happens is that that Coca-Cola will spike your blood sugar really quickly and it will go up here and then it will drop again and then you'll feel really, really tired. Now the pasta, the which has the same amount of carbs, it has 100 grams of carbs in it, will release slowly, so your blood yeah, sugar yeah. is slowly going up, it never reaches quite as high as the as the Coca-Cola does, and then it kind of plateaus, and then it just slowly drops, and then you have another meal, and then the whole idea is to try and keep your blood sugar at a constant level. So
0: so we've got sugars, we've got carbs that become sugars, we got different types of carbs. On the different types of carbs, I mean, does it make much of a difference to go for bread, which is like oh, bread and pastries, which I particularly like, but... They're not as good for you as other
1: carbs, I assume, like potatoes and rice and, and pasta. Is that fair? Bread's not actually as bad as people make it out to be because um, especially wholemeal bread doesn't actually spike your blood sugar massively in the short term. I think the, pro- pe- the problem people have with bread is the gluten intolerance I think, you know, when people talk about they feel bloated, they feel like they can't handle it. I think it's from the gluten intolerance. I don't think it's anything to do with bread because bread is actually… Yeah, I do
0: have an intolerance. Yeah,
1: so bread doesn't actually spike your blood sugar massively. It's more the sweets. It's more, um, you know, like tomato sauces, stuff like that, sugary things. That's what spikes your blood sugar. It's not so much the um, bread, for example. But, yeah, Yeah. rice, pasta, they're all really good for you. So
0: coming away a bit from the nutrition side, one of the things that I've always been… uh, fairly consistent and good at is moving so it might not be exercise in the gym sort of sense but I've always recognized that, well I say always for at least 20 years since I started to understand the lymph system the only system in the body that and that doesn't have its own pump so it does require movement I recognize the need to to actually move yeah. but also as I got some of that I realized that people talk about if you're feeling stressed have a walk or or something like that it's not just the fresh air but talk to me um about exercise and stress management or or how it can actually help if you're having an anxious day or you're stressed ahead of a meeting or after a meeting how how can uh the body Masterclass exercise uh, a different approach help with that
1: well okay so Walking, first of all, is just clearing your mind It's very good for you, it makes you feel good afterwards. If you're having stress, it's good to take yourself away from that stress and just go take your mind off things. That's where walking is really good. Now, with a slightly more intense workout, I tend to focus more on weights with people because people do want to tend to grow their muscle mass as well as lose fat at the same time. because you know, no one wants to look anorexic when they're finished on the journey. They want to have a little bit of muscle tone as well. And this applies to girls. Like girls often get very scared about becoming too muscular. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen unless you really consciously try and do it for for years on end. Um, But more back to the point, when you do a weight-based workout or something that really challenges you, your body is now not focused on what's stressing you. Your body is now focused on the task at hand, which is the physical lifting or the physical running or whatever it might be. Therefore, it de-stresses you. Stress stress management is all about distracting yourself away from the stress. And um, there is more science behind it as well. Like obviously, you get an endorphin rush when you do a a good weight session or when you do a good run or something like that. That does set you up for the day. I I know know, any of you that have ever worked out before, how good do you feel after a workout? It's always a lot better, isn't it? You always do feel better after a workout. And that's where I think working out and stress management really does tie yeah, where, it together where that
0: connects so when, when you were talking just then it reminded me of something you said um, a week or so ago about the difference between cardio because I used to like literally get on the treadmill give it an hour hour and a half while I'm watching something on telly but I wouldn't necessarily do the weights and you said about using the weights is kind of like building a bank of, of calorific um, burning capability in yep. the sense that muscle requires more calories uh, as opposed to if you're burning all your, calorie, all your muscle mass because you're doing cardio all the time You haven't got that bank account that enables you to burn more calories going forward. So, can you elaborate on that a little bit and the benefit of doing weights over cardio
1: or a blend thereof? Absolutely. So, I like to think of cardio as a tool. Cardio is something that burns calories, but it doesn't necessarily increase your muscle mass. It will a little bit, but not massively. So, what you're doing is you're putting yourself more in a calorie deficit by doing cardio because you're burning more calories. Whereas if you do weights, first of all, weights does burn calories anyway because you are moving. So you will burn calories doing weights. But while, while, when you're doing weights, you're putting on muscle mass. And when you have more muscle, you burn more calories at rest. Your basal metabolic rate rises. So to put that into an example, say you're a man and you burn 2,000 calories from sitting on your sofa and doing nothing. Your body burns about 2,000 calories, let's say. Okay. Now, if you're a man that has more muscle and you do the exact same thing, you sit in front of the telly and you watch Netflix and you don't move, your body might burn 2,300 calories or 2,200 right. calories. So you now have every single day an extra 200 or 300 calories to play with. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot. But like I said 3500 calories in a pound of fat. If you're burning an extra 300 calories a day from doing nothing, over the course of a week that's 2100. 2 weeks that's 4200. So now in 2 weeks you've burnt an extra pound of fat from doing nothing just because you're more muscular. Yeah, yeah. And then also it's the, you know, the fact that you're stronger, you can move better because you've got more muscle, you look better because as a man obviously you, every man wants to be a bit more muscular. Even women as well. Women women do They may not know it, but they do want to be more muscular. It's just the word muscular, I think, turns on certain negative emotions in women where they think they don't want to look massive. Well, and we've seen people that have gone too far physically, and I guess there's a a fear of some of that for the average person. For the average person, absolutely. But like Arnold Schwarzenegger, for an example, like most, most people don't want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. They think he looks great and all that. He's super muscular, but they don't want to look like him. I don't want to look like him. But you've got to remember, Arnold Schwarzenegger has trained for over, well, when he was at his peak, had trained for over 10 years, had taken loads of steroids, and was doing two, three hour workouts every single day to look the way he was. So if you're someone that's scared of becoming too muscular, it's just not gonna happen to you. Especially if you're running a busy business. Yeah, exactly, it's just not gonna happen because you've gotta consciously want to get to that point. And also, it's not like you're suddenly gonna wake up one day and be like, oh God, my arms are too big. Like, oh, I wish I didn't do that weight session. No, it's a gradual process. And would it be fair to say, you talking about that
0: time, the average person that you're working with that is in a busy career or business of their own, they're only doing maybe, what, four or five workouts of 30 to 40
1: minutes a week? It might even be three or four sessions a week. I like to say to to, to people that join me, like I, I do want you to do a minimum of two sessions a week, ideally something like 45 minutes, so you've got an hour and a half of yeah. exercise each week that's going to stimulate decent muscle growth. And that's like the bare minimum, really. Like, There is no real point in turning up to the gym half an hour once a week because you're not really going to stimulate enough muscle growth. Um, But I like to look at like a logarithmic scale. So if you do two sessions a week for 45 minutes, you might get 60% of your potential muscle growth. If you do three sessions, you might get... I don't know, 80%. If you do four sessions, you're now at 90%, five sessions, 95%, six sessions a week, you're at that 99% growth potential. So if your goal isn't to get massive, you can work out two or three times a week and still get very, very good muscle growth, especially in the beginner's phases. Um, And then, like I said, that creates a snowball effect where you're burning more calories at rest. So you can can then eat more. And you just have more freedom to enjoy your foods and you're a little bit more muscular, which is, of course, a nice benefit.
0: Brilliant. Well, and... Let's talk about that kind of fat area of it, because the word fat, fats scare people. Yes. And yet we do need fats, as it were. I I remember one of my great friends, a guy called Sandy Wilkie, who's uh, uh, the marketing director of Wiseman Milk and then Muller Wiseman, and people were terrified of full fat milk. And he used to say, Mike, look, full fat milk has only got 3% fat in it. Mm -hmm. You know, 3%, so it's 97% fat free, just even the full fat milk. Apart from which we then need an element of calcium to deal with a lot of digestion and so on. So people sometimes demonize certain foods. Uh, and I remember going to uh, a session in Hawaii with a guy called Stu Mittelman who taught me to, even though I've not got the physicality for it necessary to run marathons. I ran five marathons and, and did them in good times. Uh, but he did it all on teaching his body to take energy from fat as opposed to sugar. So he never had sugars, int- interestingly enough. Yeah. Um, and, and his rationale, I'm not, I am not. I think what I'm getting from you is you're all about balance and not being too extreme either way. But what he used to say is the average body has got 12, 20, 30, 35% body fat. Yeah. If you can teach your body to take its energy from fats, it can go for days. And he was an ultra uh, runner he, he, he had world records for his age group for 100 miles 1000 miles 3000 mile running so did 100 miles in 19 hours 1000 miles in 11 days 3000 miles in 53 days across yeah. like the forest Gump if you like the original forest Gump Yeah. Um. but he said the problem with sugar is because your body probably only got 2% of sugar in it that's why on a marathon often you see people every mile they're taking more glucose in because their body wants to take and is used to taking from sugar Yeah. so it, it doesn't naturally then think well i haven't got sugar therefore i've got to take from fats but over time he trained his body to take from the fat now which then made him a fat burning machine but it meant he could go longer because the body always has more fat than it does sugar have you got any thoughts around that and the general demonization of
1: certain foods and fear that people have of fat Uh, first of all like my one of my clients texted me i think it was literally two nights ago and he was saying his girlfriend's Was feeling really low on energy. She's not feeling, she's a proper gym person. And I was like, okay, well, tell me about her diet then. And she was saying she was literally eating like protein yogurts for breakfast, having like chicken salad for lunch, and then literally having like a chicken breast for dinner. So it's like a purely protein diet. And she's bought into this idea that protein is the God and fat is the demon and carbs is the demon. And I said to him, like, no, she needs to be more balanced because. Fats are very, very important in your body. For a man, fats are the building block of your testosterone. Testosterone is needed to feel good, to build muscle, to get those manly traits. You know, when you walk into a room and you're confident, that's usually because you have high testosterone levels as a man. It's so, so important to keep your testosterone levels high as a man. It makes you more attractive. It makes you more driven. It is everything. If you go on a super low-fat diet, you're not going to have that testosterone and you're not going to feel good about yourself. In the case of an ultra-marathon runner, though, um it's yes like your body has a lot more energy from fat so therefore teaching your body to burn fats is very very important for the average joe who's just going to the gym i would say probably it's not a good idea to go down that route because you need your carbs to burn to to use during a weight session Uh, i've noticed with anyone that is doing weights intensely if you go on a super low-carb diet and you up your fats because you're trying to teach your body how to burn fats, you just feel less strong because your body doesn't have the glycogen in it to and lift then the you weight. And you don't
0: lift the weight, you don't build the muscle, and you're back to that sort of low-calorie burn position. Exactly. So there's,
1: there's there's you know opposing forces here where a marathon runner might find that more beneficial to go on a low-carb diet and use fats mainly as their fuel, whereas a average gym-goer, not so much, unless you're in like the last few weeks of a photo shoot prep for example when you're really just trying to get rid of that last bit of fat because um, i'm getting a bit more specific about photo shoot prep there but if yeah, you're yeah. in those last few weeks you're not going to lose muscle in three weeks so like you going on this diet where you can't really lift heavy weights is not going to impact your muscle mass but it will help you burn a little bit more fat therefore it's quite a useful thing to do before a photo shoot um but in general population i wouldn't recommend cutting out carbs unless you feel that works really well for you because you just won't be able to lift very well. And
0: so in the first few weeks that you work with someone, is that this sort of voyage of discovery to find out whether they're sort of more uh, carb-energized versus fat and and, and what works for them, I guess?
1: That's why I'm very in-depth when I talk to people about their nutrition before I even sign them on because I say to them, like, tell me about your diet before – Tell me how you felt on certain diets. And some people, I had one client, he came to me and he said he was on the carnivore diet, which is where you just basically eat meat. And he said he felt fantastic on it. So on a carnivore diet, you're not going to be taking in any carbs, really. And he felt really good on it because his body has gone into ketosis. His brain is using ketones as the energy source. So his body clearly likes that. So I said to him, "Okay, cool, we can carry on doing that. We've just got to control the portions a little bit, Um, whereas I think, if someone said to me at the start on a consultation, like I've had a very normal diet, I feel good when I'm eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, I have a very normal Western diet. Well, we'll keep it that way then because you feel good like that. And we'll just look at the deficit. And we'll just look at the deficit. And maybe further down the line, when you've achieved a result, you can experiment a little bit. You can try your keto diet. You can try, I don't know, uh, various different diets and see what really optimizes for you. But I think that the, the thing I'm getting at is people very much overcomplicate their diet. And... Because and I think it's because people are looking for the new shiny toy to yeah, because yeah, they've they've been fat. trying yeah they've been trying all these years to lose their fat and they've not been able to so it must be because their their diet's not great and they need to try the the carnivore diet or they need to try the juice only diet yeah. That's just overcomplication. The reason most people are overweight is not because they haven't found the new diet; It's because they've not been disciplined enough to stick to a diet for a long period of time. Yeah, that and fun- funnily
0: enough, one of the if people ever say to me just two words, Michael, one word, will you? What What's the secret to success? Well, I'd say if it was one word, it's passion. It's like mm-hmm. find your fas- passion. You'll find uh, something you can work towards without ever feeling bored or tired with it. But if it's two words, it's focus and discipline. Yes. Uh, Focus requires a goal. So firstly, to get something to focus on. But everything in success I've never, ever, ever met... A really successful person who isn't disciplined and that's just something we need to accept but in that part of the conversation when you were talking it you talked about testosterone it made me think about things like collagen and testosterone and people are more and more focused on how our body changes over the different life stages and ages Almost. so do you want to talk a little bit about maybe what what's different in your 20s 30s 40s 50s and how that might affect your the way that you would work with somebody or what you might recommend to them on hormones and so on. Oh
1: gosh, you're asking me to go back to my biochemistry degree here. Let's (laughs) see what I can remember. Um, So first things first, let's talk from a male perspective, testosterone obviously being very, very important for keeping your male characteristics, for keeping your drive. Um, You know, there's a saying men are born to conquer Um, people with high testosterone levels definitely have more of that drive. And I'm not talking about conquering as in like going and attacking people in the street. I'm talking about conquering in business or conquering in the gym that, drive comes from your testosterone levels as a man over the age of 30 you drop about one percent of your testosterone levels per year it's why you're seeing a general trend nowadays where people are hopping onto testosterone replacement therapy at a very young age is because they're scared of that now obviously listen to your doctors don't go on testosterone replacement therapy unless you need it but it is a thing to bear in mind that as a man your testosterone levels do drop about one percent per year over the age of 30 now you, you you'll see a lot of older people who still have that drive who are still fairly muscular who are still really driven towards their goals it's probably because they started at a very high testosterone level anyway and just because they're they're now 30 years older so their testosterone levels dropped by 30 percent well their testosterone level was double the average anyway so now that they dropped 30 percent they're still above average that's why they still see you still see those very male characteristics in them so I think you know it's, it's a good thing to get testo- tested is your testosterone levels, but you'll know you. you c- I can tell from speaking to someone what their testosterone levels are like just from their drive, from the way they speak to people, um, and, and I think it's a very, very important thing to keep high. And you can keep it high by exercising. The more weight sessions you do, your testosterone levels will rise. Right, right. Um, yeah, you know, I'll put it this way: like I, I wasn't able to grow beards until I was about twenty-five, and right. I think it's because. I was doing a lot more weight training and I was taking it seriously, I'm able to grow a beard. I think if I wasn't lifting, if I if I was the same age I was right now and I wasn't lifting weights and I wasn't looking after my health and fitness, I don't think I'd be able to grow a beard. Because, because my, the testosterone is lower? Because my testosterone would be naturally lower. Right, right. So that's why it's very, very important, I think, to, to get yourself into fitness as a man from a young age because you want to keep your testosterone levels high and maintain it into you know the later stages of life Which as well of strength and so that was very much a i guess a more male
0: focus on that what about mm-hmm. ladies what changes for them over time
1: yeah i'm not as well versed with ladies obviously ladies do have testosterone in their bodies but they have about 10 times lower levels so it's not as relevant a factor um, estrogen is the dominant hormone in females um, you know you'll notice for example women keep their hair whereas men don't Is because men, testosterone is one of the driving factors behind hair loss. Is, right, right. So that's why women keep their hair. Um, now, I don't want to get become like misogynistic or sexist, but you will notice that women tend to be more carers and providers, and men tend to be more drivers and... Um, what's the word? Hunters. Looking after the hunters. <laughs> yeah, hunters. And that's to do with your testosterone levels. Women right, have right. far lower okay. testosterone levels, so it's not as... Obviously, there's a lot more factors and i'm sure there's scientists listen to this who are thinking there's this and this and this and this that's involved as well but as a general overview that's why um that's why women can't put on as much muscle as men as well so any women even though they work as hard and even though they work hard, so any women listening to this podcast you know if you're scared about putting on too much muscle you have about 10 times lower testosterone levels you're not it's not something you really should be concerned about yeah
0: okay so i'm conscious uh, of time and we try to keep you about 40 minutes or so but Mm -hmm. Loads of great content in there and, and it's really been useful to me and Focus and um, tell us about the sort of practical steps that uh, someone listening or viewing today can take to start this journey of uh, towards a better health, better wellness uh, and, and
1: feeling better about themselves. Okay. So if you want to start the journey, I think there's two ways you can do it. You can either invest your time or you can invest your money. I invested my time when I was younger, but I learned when I was younger, when I was 18, when I wasn't really doing much and I could go on YouTube and I could learn loads of different things about exercises and what to do, et cetera. So I invested a lot of time, made a lot of mistakes. If you're willing to invest money and just get a coach, I would recommend to start with, you don't go down the online coaching route. You don't go down the body Body Masterclass, get a PT, get five to 10 sessions, learn how to lift weights correctly you, in 5 to 10 sessions, you'll, you'll be at a level where you're better than 90% of the population anyway. Some yeah. people might take a little bit longer. It depends how naturally coordinated you are. Some people, it does take a little while to get their body in the right position. If you're naturally quite a sporty person, you might even need two or three sessions. Um, so that's the first thing I would do is make sure you know how to lift weights correctly, safely. Okay. Then what I would do is find a structured program that fits into your lifestyle. So if you're a busy person that works from 7 a.m. till 7 at night, Find out where during the day you can fit 45 minutes in. Build a structured program, whether that's you building it, investing your time, or someone else building it, investing your money. And then stick to it. Three, four, five times a week, whatever you can fit into your lifestyle, go do it. These workouts don't have to be horrendous. They don't have to take out a huge amount of your time. And if you are getting a coach that's telling you you have to work out two hours a day, they're probably not the right coach for you because, like I said, your lifestyle is far more important than your fitness. And then... The thing is with nutrition. So it depends on your goal. If your goal is muscle mass, you probably need to eat a little bit more. If your goal is fat loss, you probably need to eat a little bit less. It's really as simple as that. Um, But it is just a case of discipline. And this is why I think fitness is so, so relevant to success and business is because what you described earlier about discipline and sticking to something over a long period of time is what creates success in business. It's the exact same thing in fitness. If you can stick to a workout plan that someone has set you or you've set yourself and a nutrition plan that you've set yourself and it doesn't have to be super hard, then you're disciplined and you're going to get the result at the end of the day. It's the same in business, isn't it? You've yeah, to a plan. Yeah. It's a roadmap you stick to it and you get the you get the successful business at the end of it
0: brilliant well I've found that useful I know that um, uh, people listening or viewing will as well we will definitely get you back on and do a bit of an update and um, connected to that I'm committed for at least the next six months so in six months I'm going to lose two stones so here we are we uh, as, as we are at the end of May by the end of November we'll do another show I'll be two stone lighter uh, and I'll tell you about that journey uh, and some of the advice that Dom's given me on the way but uh, Dom thanks very much for your time Thanks
1: you very much for having me mike
0: uh, it's a pleasure mike. I really appreciate it uh, if you've enjoyed we'll put dom's details in the show notes so do give jo- dom a call like sh- share subscribe and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of success is a system with mike green and great guests like dom wells